Aruba, Jamaica. Ooh, I want to take you to Bermuda, Bahamas. Come on, pretty mama. <laughs> anyway, what was the question? Top three things on your Amazon wish list this Christmas. Number one is a Roomba, even though I don't think it's actually on my wish list now that I think about it. I want a Roomba to suck up all of the pet hair in my house. Valid. And not have to vacuum every single day. Zach wants a Roomba so we can name it Jamaica and he can just say a Roomba Jamaica all the time. Hold on. You vacuum every day. Okay. Theoretically, I should vacuum every day. I have not. <laughs> no, vacuumed. no, no. That's, that's not a shame thing because <laughs> I vacuum maybe once every two weeks. I got four pets. The cats that's shed true. more than the dogs that do. That is true. My dogs don't shed as much as yours. Jarvis sheds a lot and the cats shed a lot. Yeah. Don't get long haired cats do but but just be prepared to vacuum a lot i really want a new tattoo but that's not available on amazon and if it is don't get it (laughs) (laughs) um i want some baby yoda merch Mm -hmm. that's that's literally like my entire wish list the one thing we probably won't get this christmas season next christmas season okay Disney's building anticipation. That's this is the, this is their marketing game. Okay, let's, let's go on a side. And we're about experts this. on this. Yes, <laughs> we have the right to talk about it. So John Favreau says that they couldn't release merch because they didn't want to release spoilers. Bullshit. Yeah, that's what that's I'm saying. That's exactly what it is. But I get that. I get that you didn't want to release the merch ahead of the first episode. You know very damn well you could have made it and had it sitting in a Walmart warehouse somewhere. Correct. For release on day one. And then the merchandise they did make looks like they took some freshman graphic design student, had him cut out <laughs> Baby Yoda from the concept art and just slap him onto a Redbubble merchandise selection. But you know what? I'd settle for that at this point because we're not getting anything. I bought some bootleg merch off of... I bought a bootleg Christmas sweater off of Etsy. So Nice. Supposed to ship today. Hasn't shipped. I should look at that. And the third thing is I have a shit ton of records on my Amazon wish list, but... If anyone out there is listening, a.k.a. my in-laws, who will shop on that, go to Speaker Tree and buy them instead. Yes. Good They're call. just there so you know what I want. They don't That's have to right. come from Amazon. That's my wish Speaker list. Speaker Tree doesn't have yet an e-commerce wish list, so. Blake it on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Top three. So the first thing <laughs> on my list, it's not even really that funny, but it's very characteristic to me is I really want that damn pasta extension for your KitchenAid. They'll make pasta valid, for you. Valid. I don't know why I want this thing. I'm probably going to make pasta once, <laughs> but I want it. <laughs> it's because it exists. Exactly. It's your it's your calling as an it's, Italian. <laughs> I need to fulfill my previous last name, Chachio. Mm-hmm. I, need to f- I need to step in those Nona shoes. Yes. Make Even them. though I don't have kids or grandkids, but you know. Make the fresh pasta. That's what I'm saying. So that's one. Number two, it's probably an extra dock for Nintendo Switch. You got two TVs now. Well, okay, let me let me go into the story. So <laughs> this is a great story. It is Black Friday, which was a couple of days from where we are right now. I was actually in Disney World at the time because I just got back from a week there during Thanksgiving. But on Black Friday, I woke up early and I was just perusing and it just hit me. You know what? Josh has always wanted a 55 inch TV and we have a pretty small one and he's gone into more gaming recently. So I was like, if I can find a really good deal on one and justify it, then I think I'll do it. And lo and behold, I find one that's like, was a great deal. 
it was a Roku style TV, which is what we wanted to keep because that's what we have now. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And I get all the receipts for Amazon. So I think it can hide it pretty well. And the plan was whenever it would ship, I always get home first and I was going to hide it under our second bedroom bed. Great plan. Thought it was out great. Plan. And I was going to have everyone open up their gifts and it's going to be kind of a Christmas story kind of situation. It's like, go look behind that TV over there. And there's the red riding BB gun. Uh-huh. That you just say you'll never get, but you get anyway. That was the plan. And then, <laughs> so we're at lunch that same day at uh, the Mexican Pavilion area in Epcot. I think it's like San Angel Inn. And Josh just goes, did you buy a 55-inch TV? <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't even say that. I just kind of stood stunned. So I'm like, there's just no way that he could get access to it. And he goes... Because I got a receipt from Best Buy and I'm like, what in the hell? (laughs) And it turned out that Best Buy screwed up and sent a receipt from a separate bro named Matt. Matt, you ruined Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to mention your last name for safety reasons because, you know, so many people are going to write in about this. But but Matt, we got his receipt for a Toshiba 55 inch TV. He got a great deal on it in case you're wondering. (laughs) And... (laughs) I'm proud of you for that. But they sent it to Josh's account. And Damn it, Matt. so literally he's because he does most of the finances. He's like, you know, I'm just going to go and look through all the cards and everything. And then it just hit me. <laughs> and I go, you're going to see a purchase. <laughs> surprise. So, yeah. And so I had to tell him. So the surprise is ruined. And as of today, there's a giant ass 55 inch box just sitting in my living room. It is really big. It Yeah. I didn't realize how big a 55 inch is. But I think that's what ours is. It's big. Well, that's what he wanted. He went to your house and oh, he was yeah. like, damn, this, this resolution. <laughs> that was a wedding present. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so to go back to my story, I want another dock for Nintendo Switch because I... The plan is to move our smaller TV now, probably into the bedroom. Valid. And then I would hook up my dock and then I would play Nintendo Switch. So that's number two. Number three, I got to think about this. It's hard. It is. I always had this issue coming up with things I wanted. (laughs) Oh, actually, I do know what I want. And I'm actually, I already know I'm getting it because I have an awesome mom. So one thing I wanted was a new stove. Oh, yeah. I was not planning on asking for Christmas. I was planning on waiting for that tax refund to come in and take care of it. But my mom's like, hey, I'll get you a new stove for Christmas. Thanks, mom. Mom's the best. She really is. But I so have anyway. four functional burners. I have three. Yeah. <laughs> On day one, because when I bought my house last year, it's from 1997. So it's not old. It's hanging in there. It's not old, but the, the stove was original. And on day one, everything worked fine with the oven. And then literally it was like, all right, <laughs> new people, new people. Time Stop to break working. down. So it's 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 original to the house. It's on its way out. So. Um, I'm looking forward to a new stove that works. Do we want to do the review before or after the da-na-na? Let's do it after the da-na-na. Okay. I'm Leah. I'm Bethann. And this is She Will Rack You. How about you do it? Take the honor of saying da-na-na. There you go. Doesn't it feel good? Sure. <laughs> That's not even what our riff sounds like. <laughs> well, no, it's the guitar at the end. It's like. 
So before we get into this holly jolly episode here, we have a new review. Yay! From my friend Sophie. She's one of my Strutter friends. Shout out to Could Have Been Memes on Oh, Instagram. I know that page. <laughs> yeah. They're cool. She's super cool. Makes great content. Go follow her. Uh, she left us a five star. I almost said Amazon review. What is this? <laughs> this is iTunes. <laughs> to be fair, I was just reading Amazon reviews while we were setting up on a pair of socks, which sounds way more lame than it actually was. Anyway, she says... I look forward to Fridays in part because of you guys. I like learning about rock history and you guys make me laugh. I never know what to expect and that's a good thing. Funny you should say that. Because <laughs> these next two episodes are a little different. Yeah. But I promise you, they're very festive. It's not spooky season. I was going to say it's spooky season. Oh, it's Christmas season. That's right. We don't have a good alliterative title for this other than Christmas no. season. Yeah. But it's also not just Christmas season. It's whatever the hell you celebrate season. That's right. We're ha- just going to say Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy or whatever your celebration is. Or happy no holidays, if that's your thing. Yeah. We don't care. But these next two episodes are holiday Christmas themed. So that's right. Take that as you will. You ready to dive in? Yeah, what are we talking about today? All right. So as Leah said, this, we're doing some rule breakers, so to speak, this uh, next couple of episodes. And I want to start off by saying that this was my backup topic, Mm -hmm. the person I'm about to cover. Because originally, I was going to do Bing Crosby, Mm -hmm. aka Christmas nostalgia in a can. Yep. But folks... After going on his wiki, I did not want to ruin Christmas. So to, to kind of give us a teaser. Gi- yeah. Give you a cliff note. He's not a good person. That's really sad. Actually, it is very sad because my grandmother loved him so much. And I remember watching Bing Crosby films all the time. And then I went on his Wikipedia and I was like, abort, abort. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's where I'm I'm at this Christmas season. But regardless, we're going to abstain from now from we'll Bing Crosby. Back. We're going to choose another artist who's still in that rule breaker category, but I believe embodies the spirit of Christmas way better than Bing Crosby. Santa? Close. <laughs> Not King Cole. Not Santa. No. But let's jump into it. So Nathaniel Adams Cole was born on March 17th, 1919 in Montgomery, Alabama. Came from a musical family. His three brothers would go on to pursue music as well. At age four, his parents moved to Chicago and his dad became a pastor. When he first learned to play music, he started actually on the organ alongside his mom. Interesting. Yeah. And the first song he learned to play was Yes, We Have No Bananas. I need to listen to this song. Oh, I went... (laughs) You better believe I went on a rabbit trail. So... Actually, a little sidebar about this song. It was written in 1923. It was used as a protest song during different food shortage crises. It was also regarded as a unifying song as both Protestants and Catholics could get behind it during protests. (laughs) 
<laughs> they are united in their lack of bananas. That's exactly it. But I listened to the song. It's very interesting. You could definitely tell it's dated to the 20s, but it is public domain. Oh, so we can put it in here. Well, I tried to look for it and I can't find it. Like, it. I can't find like a clip that I can throw in. But to be honest, it's dated to the times. I still want to. Li- we're going to listen to it. Well, yeah, we'll listen. We'll, we'll throw up a link or something like that. So you can go listen to yourself. But yeah, just a, just a side note. on We that. ain't got no bananas. That's pretty similar to how that melody goes. <laughs> we ain't got no bananas today. It goes like that. Ooh. <laughs> we've, we've come a long way, guys. Yes. So after the organ, he would later go on to study gospel, jazz and classical mu- classical music, this time on piano. Also during his youth, I believe in high school years, he would sneak out of his house to hear artists like Louis Armstrong play. That's cool. Can you blame him? No. Absolutely not. I would have done the same exact same. thing. So at age 15, he drops out of high school to pursue music. And around that same time, his brother is coming home after touring with sh- the Shuffle Along co-writer, Noble Sissel. That's cool. Yeah, it's super cool. Um, and Shuffle Along was written, it was Noble Sissel and UB Blake that wrote it together. And UB Blake performed in Lynchburg way back ah. in the day. Yeah. And his brother and him decided to record two songs together for Decca Records. That led to them being a part of the Shuffle Along revival. Okay. In Sh- I think it was in LA. So at age 18, you know, he's out of school. He's playing music. And he meets a cast member. Her a name lady. is Nadine Robinson. And they fall in love. Aww. And so much so that they soon would marry. How soon? Well, he's still 18. Okay. When they get married. But after the revival run had ended, he began looking for work in clubs as a band leader for the, because that right around that time was the big band movement. Mm -hmm. But for one club, he formed a band called the King Cole Swingsters, which would later become the King Cole Trio. It's named after the nursery rhyme, King Cole was a very merry soul or was a merry soul. I wondered if that's where his name yep. came from. That's where it came from. Because King is, his name is Nathaniel. So that seems Cole, but King was saying that was added in later. It, it works. works. Yeah, definitely works. And like I said, that would eventually become a stage name. Here's what's interesting. Nat King Cole was not known as a vocalist, but he was known as a jazz pianist and band leader first before he was recognized as a singer. Okay. The story goes that one night, a drunk patron demanded that Cole sing. Once he did, loads of people requested more songs from him, which I, I when I was reading on Wikipedia, like Cole like didn't confirm it, but he's like, yeah, that sounds good. Next <laughs> <laughs> nice cool story. We'll go with it. His first single was Sweet Lorraine, which was a cover. It was originally written in 1928. From 1941 to 1942, the group started recording, the trio started recording more songs together for a label known at the time as Excelsior Records. Ooh. And then they did a couple for Decca as well. For Decca, they did That Ain't Right. For Excelsior, they did All For You and I'm Lost. Then in 1943, he signs with Capitol Records. It's a lot of record Which he would stay with, yeah. He would stay with for a while. In 1946, his trio makes history 
by being the first sponsored black musicians with the 15 minute radio program called the King Cole Trio Time. Good for them. Yeah, it's super cool. Um, And you're going to actually see that as a trend. Like I didn't realize in this research, like how much of a pioneer Nat King Cole was for black musicians during that time. Yeah, me neither. It's it's really cool. We'll, We'll get into a little bit with it. They also performed on really popular radio programs during the time, such as the Orson Welles Almanac. There was like another one called Supper Club of some sort. I don't know. I wasn't born that time. <laughs> that's not my... Sounds good to me. That's not my genre. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> I'm just going to nod and yeah, go, just, yeah. Just nod. You're good. The Chitlin Circuit. <laughs> yeah, the Chitlin Circuit. Around this time, however, 1948 to be exact, Nat and Nadine split that didn't last long but six days after the divorce papers were finalized nat king cole married singer mary hawkins ellington that is soon yeah yeah i'll let you figure out the rest but but um she was actually how he found her was she was a singer for duke ellington but no relation whatsoever interesting they just both had the name ellington and so they got married they would go on to have five kids, one including Natalie Cole, who's a famous singer. We'll talk a smidge about her later on. Fantastic singer. Yeah, fantastic. During the 40s and early 50s, Cole is just pumping out the hits. And cliff note, these songs were not written by the Cole Trio or Nat King Cole. He wasn't a songwriter, but mm-hmm. he performed them and basically they became his. Mm-hmm. But get your kicks on Route 66. Love that song. Thanks, I love cars. you for sentimental reasons. Mona Lisa, too young. It is also the decade that Cole, like most artists during that time, start dabbling with Christmas music. Thank goodness it wasn't synthesizers. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> the closest they had was actual like sleigh bells. That's, that's fine. Some nice string orchestra. The only version of the sleigh rides, the only versions of sleigh ride that I like have sleigh bells in them. So oh, that's fair. And the, um, I don't know what they're called. The little, little things used to make the horse clapping noises though. Oh yeah. That thing. I don't know what instrument that is. It's like some kind of wood instrument. Yeah. They're like a wooden block. That's yeah. relevant anyway. But let's talk about the song that I think is absolutely synonymous with not King Cole. And that's the Christmas song, mm-hmm. which is a namesake for this episode. Mm-hmm. His version is considered the definitive version of the song. Yeah. So let's let's do a little highlight, background highlight here. The Christmas song was written in 1945 by Robert Wells and Mel Torme during an incredibly hot summer. It was a way of keeping them cool by thinking of colder times. Aww. Supposedly, Torme saw Wells scribbling on a notepad that just said, chestnuts roasting, dot, dot, dot. Jack Frost <laughs> nipping, dot, dot, dot. Yuletide carols, dot, dot, dot. Folks dressed up like Eskimos. So, I feel like chestnuts roasting is not a image that you want to think of when you're trying to stay cool. That's not the first thing I think of. I agree. Yeah, but okay. It also could just be a cultural thing. Like, at that time. Yeah. That's what everyone associated with Christmas. Oh, yeah. First thing comes to my head. Chestnuts roasting. What are they roasting on? Well, open four iron, of course. But it's hot. I don't know. (laughs) When I'm hot, the last thing I want to think about is a roasting fire. It's like that Twilight Zone episode 
where have you ever watched a twilight zone very little so there's an episode of the twilight zone where this woman is in her apartment and it's during this massive heat stroke in new york city in like the 50s i believe Mm -hmm. and everything's just so hot and everything's breaking down and they're saying that basically the earth is going towards the sun and everyone's panicking yeah (laughs) and she like has this moment where she just freaks out and you zoom out at the end of the episode and she's actually been in a fever this entire time during when it's snowing outside and what's actually happening is it's the coldest it's ever been and the earth is moving away from the sun permanently so that's what makes me think. Can of. we get some of that right now? <laughs> <laughs> how do we get in? Is on that this how deal? we solve global warming? We just move it away from the sun. Why oh, don't we take genius. Bikini Bottom and push <laughs> it somewhere else? <laughs> that's exactly. How did you know what? We just gave a gift to the Earth. We just solved global warming. Yeah, SpongeBob had all you the just answers. take it and put it somewhere else. It's simple. Push it out of orbit. It won't mess anything up. I promise. Not one bit. We'll be fine. Uh, anyway, so with all those all those little tidbits, lyrical tidbits, they said like Torme was like he's probably just writing a poem, but then forty minutes later they turn it into a full fledged song. That's cool. So there you go. It was random 40 minutes from some scribblings That's how trying to stay cool while it's unbearably hot. All the best songs are written in less than an hour. It's true. It's very true. So Cole recorded the first version of the song in 1946, but then later re-recorded it that same year to add in that iconic string section that's mm-hmm. in there. According to Broadcast Music Incorporated... I almost said hashtag BMI parentheses BMI. <laughs> That's proper APA formatting. Uh, yes. Not hashtag BMI. Yes. But if Gen Z gets their way, maybe it will become. We're just going to put hashtags in everything. That's exactly it. Throw it in there. Um, but Broadcast Music Incorporated BMI says it is the most performed Christmas song ever. I believe it. So who else has taken a stab at this song any guesses considering i just did all of this research on christmas songs for my episode i'm really surprised i don't have an answer (laughs) (laughs) that's okay i have a short list i don't have them all but i have okay a chunk the highlights the highlights we have the christmas gem rosemary clooney Hmm. from white christmas okay we have old blue eyes frank frankie Mm -hmm. sinatra Mm-hmm. We have that POS Bing Crosby. <laughs> mm. I'm sorry. I I just really don't like this guy anymore. We're gonna have to do this episode very soon. Like yeah, like in January. We should. I probably need to talk about why I don't like him anymore. Yeah, I need to get it out there. It's valid. I, I feel bad because I feel like I'm betraying so many years of childhood. But nah. I really don't like him anymore. He's a piece of shit. Yeah, no, for real. Also, living led Celine Dion. Yes, musical genius Stevie Wonder. Cute at their prime, Jackson 5. They did so many Christmas songs. That is a topic for next episode. Yeah. Pin we should, that we for should later. bench them for yeah. another Christmas Pin episode. Pin that for later. And uh, Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber has also done a lot of Christmas songs. He yeah. did a Christmas album pretty early in his career. That's true. So there's there's a short list. 
But nevertheless, it's fair to say that the song has had a huge cultural impact. Mm -hmm. This also seems like a great time to talk about Nat King Cole's one and only Christmas album called The Magic of Christmas. Great title. We are going to jump a little ahead here to 1961, but this album contains some of his hit Christmas songs from earlier in his career, along with other classics. It was later reissued in 1963 as The Christmas Song, which I wrote The Christmas Story in my notes. That's wrong. (laughs) No. (laughs) Classic me mixing up things. Wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Leah knows. I mix up words like it's no tomorrow. Like, you know that scene in Iron Man 3 where Jarvis is like, I'm doing good. And then I say the wrong cranberry. (laughs) That's me. (laughs) I've never spiritually associated with a scene in a film before. But that was, I felt that. Kingdom of hearts. Kingdom hearts. Kingdom of hearts. Kingdom hearts. (laughs) This is an actual excerpt from our conversations. I don't think we've ever talked about that on the podcast. (laughs) No. And we could talk about it because this is going to be a shorter episode. So we need some more content. For a solid three (laughs) months. Was it three months? I feel like it was like two years. It was a very long time. (laughs) No, literally. Okay. I remember it like it was yesterday, which is rare. But <laughs> I'm literally watching a YouTube video about the new Kingdom Hearts 3 game. This is like months after it came out, too. Yeah. It wasn't like before the game came out. It was, right. it was rare for months on end. And I look at the title of the video and they said kingdom hearts and i go to josh i'm like oh they messed up it's kingdom of hearts and he goes no it's kingdom hearts and i said you you lie you lie to me and he's like no look it up and i look it up and it was like a nelson mandela effect the berenstain bears yeah no literally like my whole world came crashing down (laughs) and i text leah and i go leah leah it's kingdom hearts not kingdom of hearts and she goes i know i've been telling you for three months (laughs) it happened again recently too with zoso oh yeah (laughs) which is a uh, led zeppelin tribute band who's really good if you want to ever see them in concert oh yeah they're super good but I was saying Sozo instead of Sozo. And I'm like, I'm, I just turned my desk, my chair around at work. And I go, I'm going to correct you right now. It's Zozo. <laughs> See, that's what you got to do. You got to make it memorable so I learn. Because if you just say it one off, it works. There's, a, there's a 40% chance I'm listening to you. <laughs> you got to make it a big thing. Like, Kingdom Hearts. hey, I'm going to pull you aside and correct you. <laughs> It worked. Yeah, and it's stuck ever since. <laughs> anyway, that was a very, very side tangent. Anyway, exactly. Yeah. It was a good one, though. So back to this Christmas song album. It was the best selling album of the 1960s and was number one on the Billboard albums list for two weeks. That's crazy for a Christmas album. Yeah. No, it's that's a huge impact. And as I wrote my notes... Take that, Crosby. <laughs> did he dethrone Crosby at the time? Do you know? I don't know. We're going to pretend he did. I, I, I need it. I need to just feel like he dethroned Crosby. Nat King Cole is the king of Christmas. Yes. I think the crown should go to Nat King Cole. Yes. Remove it from Crosby. He does not deserve it. I kinda, it's like whenever Miss America screws up, yeah. she gets her crown revoked. Yeah. Nat anyway. King Cole deserves this. Anyway. So we're going to jump back 
to the 1950s where we left off. And now we're going to talk about the racist backlash that he received as an artist. So let's start with his short-lived TV show, which shouldn't have been Mm. short-lived. No, but that makes sense. Yep. It's 1956. And the Nat King Cole show debuts on NBC. And it's a variety show. How long did that last? Well, it was another history marker for Cole as he became the first. It became the first show hosted by an African-American. Awesome achievement. That's cool. I didn't know that. And it started out as just 15 minutes, but they later increased it to a half hour. Fantastic. However... The show had issues finding sponsors because like most shows then, they functioned off sponsorship. Mm-hmm. They had one regional sponsor. And I'm going to highlight you because congratulations. Good for you. You were not a POS company back then. <laughs> and it's called Rheingold Beer. But they Weird ne- sponsor, but okay. You know what? Good for him. I hope they're still going. They're probably not, but they probably were acquired i hope you're by really Budweiser, but congratulations excellent craft brewery nowadays yes so that was their one regional sponsor but they never found a national sponsor oh. so cole decided to end the show after being on air for just a year it's like a year and a month yeah no it is good but shortly after the show is ending cole acclaimed correctly may i add madison avenue is afraid of the dark yeah I can see that. No, it's 100% true. Yeah. I mean, that I, I read that and kind of sends shivers because it's really true. Mm-hmm. Here's the second scenario. In 1948, Cole purchased a home in an all-white neighborhood in Los Angeles. Yeah, that's not going to end well, is it? Well, the Ku Klux Klan nope. showed up Yep. and placed burning crosses on his front lawn, which is what they do because they're idiots. And then the neighborhood members start proclaiming that they do not want any undesirables in their neighborhood okay but here's how cole responded and it's truly one of my favorite responses ever back at the neighbors he replies neither do i and if i see any undesirable coming in here i'll be the first to complain oh good for him yeah he he did good like he held his integrity up high yeah which is great third scenario i think this is my third and final scenario in 1956, while getting ready for a performance, he was refused stay at a hotel in Cuba because of the color of his skin. In Cuba? In Cuba. Cuba? I know. You can do better. I read that and I was, I was like, what? <laughs> it's Cuba. Yeah, come on. <laughs> but anyway, then that same year, he was attacked on stage while performing in Birmingham, Alabama. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, this, this is all really messed up everything I'm about to say. A group called North Alabama Citizens Council started showing photos of Cole with some of his white female fan base with captions like Cole and his white women, Cole and your daughter. The hell? And they just started circulating that around Alabama. So they basically gather an angry mob of 150 people and they plan to attack Cole, kidnap him and kill him. Luckily... Only a few showed up that night at that performance. I hope they got arrested. They did. That's the good news. And during his song, Little Girl, three men started rushing the stage and knocked Cole off his piano bench. Assholes. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. Luckily, the cops intervened 
and arrested them on the spot. Cole suffered minor back injuries and did not finish the set. Mm. I do not blame him. No. After the incident, Cole continued to play for segregated audiences in the South, claiming he could not fix seg- segregation in a day. After this event, it did kind of ups- it did upset some people in the African-American community and felt as though they were being betrayed. I do understand that perspective and why they felt that mm-hmm. way during that time. Yeah. But however, later on the 60s, Cole would go on to be a lifelong member of the NAACP. And he apparently played a very pivotal role in planning the March on Washington. Oh, that's... I don't know what that role was, but that's what my research said. So I threw it in there. That's cool. So it was but it was definitely like a very interesting time to be such like a pioneer. Yeah. In the African-American community. And there's just so much like going on just like racist backlash from white people and then having your own crew and feeling like hey you are you know train us so it's just such an interesting time but yeah he later in the 60s helped plan one of the most important things for civil rights good for him so very interesting time to say the least so we're gonna move on to 1964 and this is a little bit of a sadder time unfortunately Mm. because Nat King Cole starts getting sick and he starts losing weight. He's suffering with back pain. And it was after he collapsed at Sands Hotel in Las Vegas, he was persuaded by a friend a few months later to get it checked out. And the doctors unfortunately found a malignant tumor in his lung and was given months to live. Go to the doctor. Yeah. Please go to the doctor. <laughs> another another TSA. We have lost so many legends because they just wouldn't go to the damn doctor when they started yeah. having problems. Looking at you, Jim Henson, and your throat infection. <laughs> uh, we're, we're still we're still not over that. He's still bitter about that. I'm still bitter about Prince. That too. I'm I'm Prince should still be here. Prince today. should still be here. That that one ruffles some feathers. Jim Henson me. would still be alive too if he had taken some antibiotics. Yeah, please please go to the doctor. Take your antibiotics, especially if you're famous and we love you. Only take your antibiotics when they are prescribed by a doctor. Don't just take them. <laughs> yeah, please. Anyway. So they find a tumor in his lung. He's unfortunately given only months to live. That's so sad. But there's a really cool silver lining to this situation. So despite doctor's orders, he goes into the studio. And he finishes up what would be his final album Mm -hmm. called L-O-V-E. Oh. Yeah. Which has that famous song, L-O-V-E. Yeah. That is for the way you look at me one of if not the most famous song he's ever that are unforgettable yeah one of those two but the reason he finished the album was to ensure the welfare of his family when he was gone and i think you hear that song and you're like you hear it performed at weddings but you don't see it from that perspective yeah like it's really beautiful that's super cool. that the final thing he records is love that's so sweet it's it's such a beautiful story when you think about it but in December um, that year, he goes into the hospital for some form of therapy. I looked it up. Couldn't pronounce it, so I moved on. <laughs> um, in January, he has his entire lung removed. Ooh. Now, this is a little... He's not a perfect person, folks, okay? But around that time, he sent $5,000, which I think was like $40,000 with inflation, okay. to a side piece named... Vanilla Hutton. Well, he obviously had a side piece earlier because he got yeah. married like six the, days the after the man's not perfect. 
and i'm not condoning it it's but obviously th- wrong this should show you how big of a piece of shit bing crosby is yeah correct Let's just correct keep that in perspective <laughs> um she then had the gall to call cole's wife and tell her to divorce him the man is dying I he know. doesn't have time to divorce him. yeah so his wife confronts him he admits to it but they do reconcile well good and he's he's like vowed to his wife if he ever recovers he's gonna stop smoking he's gonna go on it on air and say you need to quit smoking all this Oof. stuff on valentine's day that of 1965 cole left the hospital briefly for the day and him and his wife drove side by side by the sea Aww. and then the next day february 15th 1965 nat king cole passed away Aww. at the age of 45 <sighs> yeah that he was su- so young he was still in his prime damn i want you to think about that like he's not old no he's his voice is still ticking for another 20 years at least yeah so that's wow i didn't realize he was that young yeah because he was a heavy heavy smoker Mm, don't smoke yeah don't do that either but yeah let's go back to talk about the album Mm l-o-v-e it was released i think it was a month before he died and billboard magazine called the album quote one of the finest nat king cole albums to date He's in great form as he breathes new life into something fine standard material. The title tune is a Cole classic. Yep. It peaked number four on the Billboard album charts in 1965. And let's zoom out to talk a little bit about his legacy. He was inducted. I can never say this word. Post. Posthumously. Humously. Humus. You know what? I always look at Leah when I can't (laughs) pronounce words. I'm like. Tell me how to do this right. Five years of Latin pays off sometimes. (laughs) Posthumously to the following. He's inducted into the Alabama Music Hall of Fame. That's a big deal considering how Alabama treated him. And the Alabama Jazz Hall of Fame. Wow. He wins a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. He's also inducted into the Beatdown. uh, No, no, not Beatdown. Downbeat. Not (laughs) Not Beatdown. No, Downbeat. Jazz Hall of Fame, the Hit Parade Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So he's wow. not a total rule breaker. Eh. And then the Latin Songwriters Hall of Fame. That's an interesting one. Well, I think he was part Hispanic, like part Hispanic. Mm. But I don't know. I should have researched that. Yeah. But his daughter, Natalie Cole, went on to be a singer just like her father. She's one of her most pivotal moments in her career was doing a virtual duet with her late father. I remember that. Wasn't it on American Idol? It was like something on something yeah. random. And for some reason, my memory told me it was a hologram of her dad. That's what I thought. But I went and watched it. And it's I just, just a video. It's just a video. What told me it was a hologram? I don't know. What I that, thought it was a hologram too. What Mandela too. effect do I live in? I don't know, but I thought it was a hologram too. Because I it's remember not. watching it on TV. We need to go back and watch it. Because like... I saw for like a split second where it kind of looks like it, but it's like 1992, which is the year mm. I was born. Oh yeah. So I wouldn't have seen yeah. that live, but yeah, no, it's, I don't understand. Maybe, I think maybe when I saw it, it was my choir teacher must've shown it in class or something. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I think she did it again. She's done it a couple times. Okay. Maybe, maybe a later version was a hologram. Right. And that version. I don't know. Nine- I tried to research it and I couldn't really find anything. Yeah. So I think it's a Mandela effect situation. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. 
But that song won seven Grammy Awards that year. Oh, damn. And I think one of them was like best song and best album. Okay. Um, but lastly, I wanted to end with this quote directly from Wikipedia because they actually put the words right. Thank you, mysterious editor. Yes. Cole's success at Capitol Records, which was his primary record company during that time, for which he recorded more than 150 singles that reached the Billboard pop, R&B, and country charts, has yet to be matched by any Capitol artist. His record sold 50 million copies during his career. His recording of the Christmas song still receives airplay every holiday season, even hitting the Billboard Top 40 in December 2017. Wow. So that's it. That's my rule breaker. I think it fits. Matt King Cole. And like works. I said, I like to submit that he's a way better, <laughs> way better person than Bing Crosby and deserves this title of Christmas King. Yes, I will second that. And we're going to have to talk about him very soon. We have to. I got to get it off my chest. That's Maybe that'll be your January episode. Maybe. Um, the time has come to close this episode. Oh, We got to talk about what we, we're drinking. Yeah, what are we drinking? I'm super excited for what we're drinking. We are both drinking the same thing. Yes. And we're going to be drinking the same thing next episode. Because yes. we were about to record it after this. We are drinking eggnog. Like, in a very festive cup. Yes. There's a picture on my Instagram. It's actually, I think this was my grandmother's cup I like from the them. 1950s or 60s. They got trees on them. But they have a very <laughs> special treat of rum chata in there. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Megan, and, for that tip. Yeah. And let me tell you, <laughs> you can't taste that rum chata, but it is there. To quote your husband, this drink is very effective. <laughs> <laughs> he's never living that down. <laughs> nope, he's not. All right, close us out. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, all the places. We would love it if you would take the time to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We're now out of reviews, so there will be no review next episode. Insert sad music here. Special thanks to Josh Tarpley for our intro riff and Lauren Page Photography for our cover art. Shout out to Backline and Speaker Tree. If you're local, go do some Christmas shopping at Speaker Tree. Yeah. Get someone you love a record. Or a gift card for coffee. A gift card for coffee. There's lots of options there. You will not be disappointed. Be sure to like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at She Will Rock You Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at She Will Rock, the letter U, pod. You can also follow us personally at Beth Ann Tarpley and at LeahElizabeth.J. If you want to send us an email, we would love to hear from you. Tell us a random story. Give us some episode ideas. We're open to all Tell us about your thoughts about Nat King Cole versus Bing Crosby. Yeah, yeah. Settle this debate. You can send that stuff to SheWillRockYouPodcast at gmail.com. And remember, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Don't smoke. Yeah. Go to the doctor. Yeah. This episode has a lot of morals. (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas.